0: Hey, welcome to OCD Whisperer Podcast. I'm your host, Christina. Here, we're going to talk about all things OCD. If you've been enjoying this podcast so far, and if you'd like to work together, come check out my monthly membership called Mastering OCD and join a group of other people like yourself. You can go to wwwcoreresultscom forward slash membership. That's K-O-R results.com forward slash membership. And see you in there. Okay, so welcome to OCD Whisperer podcast and today actually I have a really special guest Chrissy Hodges and so something to know by Chrissy is that she's a certified support uh, peer support specialist in Colorado. She's actually the author of pure OCD and she's the founder of OCD game changers. Yes, she's showing the book for anybody who's just listening. Um, She's the founder of OCD game changers and OCD
1: peers and I welcome to the show Chrissy thank you for having me. This is exciting. I always love talking to audiences who are interested in hearing more about OCD and the actual OCD experience. So thank
0: you. Exactly. Absolutely. I'm so glad that you're here. So, you know, Chrissy, you're somebody um, I I mentioned before, uh, before we jumped on here, but like I've literally referred some clients to OCD peers because I love all the different support groups you have there. And, um, you know, kind of why I wanted to talk with you is because I wanted to, know speak to somebody who has lived experience of like what is it like to actually live with OCD right and also the fact that you do so much in the community so there's a couple of questions that I know keep coming up for folks and I really wanted to hear your perspective so one of the questions is what is it actually like to live with OCD Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I know it's a big one (laughs) (laughs) whatever comes to mind whatever you feel
1: like sharing Um, you know, there's always the, I need to make sure to preference when I'm talking about this, that uh, you are not going to find the key when you're listening to what I have to say. I do not have any words of insight that's going to make OCD go away. And my experience is definitely different than everyone's. (laughs) Um, but what it's like to live with OCD. I mean, if, you know, I guess, you know, if I could be really transparent about it, it's, um, there's a certain degree of worldview change, and there's a certain degree of, um, I guess, sadness. So those seem like uh, like polar opposites, but I'll explain. So when people ask me what it's like to be in recovery, what it's like to have a mental illness, what it's like to live with OCD, I typically don't always pander to the optimism, which is because I think that we as a society like to package things up as oh, I went through this, but now I'm over it. And life is great. And to the OCD sufferer, this is extremely detrimental because we are such black and white thinkers. <laughs> so when we say to someone, recovery is so much better, it's so great, life is awesome, then what people have are unrealistic expectations of living in recovery with a mental illness that is lifelong, Um But I also don't defer to the pessimistic, which is, Mm. you know, essentially, I live with OCD every single day because that's terrifying for people. It can be daunting, especially if they're contemplating or pre-contemplating going into therapy. Um, So I I like to look at the realistic piece. Why am I, you know, or what is my life like with OCD? I would not be who I am without it. That's the Mm. worldview shift. I'm lucky. I went through something. I survived it. And I got to change my worldview at an early age. Not everybody gets to do that. Mm -hmm. Not everybody ever gets to do that. Yeah. Some people live their entire life asleep. Mm -hmm. Um, I was lucky. I got to see the world in a different way. I think that when we have mental illness, when we have something that really just forces us to face some sort of trauma or identity shift, you you have the opportunity to say or see that the world can be different than the culture or the environment that you grew up in. And you can choose that path or not. And I was lucky to be able to to choose that probably a decade after my diagnosis and treatment. So the worldview shift came a lot later after a lot of work through stigma and shame, um, even after being effectively treated. Would I give it back? Would I give OCD back? I, we, I see this a lot in that mental health co- uh, community on a spectrum, all different spectrum of illnesses. Would I give it back? Hell yes. Do I want OCD to be gone? Yes. Mm-hmm. Would I give back my experience in life to who I am now? No, never. Mm. I'm lucky to have, I'm lucky to be able to see people differently now that I know what it's like to experience human suffering.
0: that's actually a beautiful distinction that's a really beautiful distinction like yeah i mean of course nobody wants to say like you know i have like yeah i want to live with cancer i want to live with ocd per se but um the gifts that it has Mm -hmm. to offer the, the experience the lived experience from that like yeah that's that's definitely that's a really beautiful distinction you just made
1: i mean the flip side of that is is the pain and sadness that comes with living with ocd And if anybody is listening that watches my videos, you know, that I just keep it real. Like, (laughs) and a lot of that is, I don't want people to feel like they're left out of the reality of experiencing OCD. I mean, in my, I can only speak for my own experience, but I don't go a single day without OCD showing up. I would, I would be lying if I said that I did. And in fact, for a long time I lied about it um, to myself Mm -hmm. and that, you know, hindered recovery and increased suffering. And so now I want the community to feel like, hey, there's all different kinds of paths you can take. And there are always people walking with you. It isn't just this, here's the pinnacle of what recovery is. I never have symptoms again. I don't don't qualify for the diagnosis anymore. I don't have intrusive thoughts anymore. I just think that's cruel to pander that message to people. Because you don't have the key to what anyone's recovery looks like, but
0: your own. 100%. I mean, that right there, I think is, it's, it's integral, right? Because it's completely different for everybody, right? Some people have intrusions every day. Some people have more. Some people have periods where it can be quiet. And then, you know, like mm-hmm. weekly or monthly, there's surges or influxes or, you know, there, it's, it's just okay. such a different pattern for because we're so individual,
1: yeah. 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 And so I, you know, to answer the question, I think I live at both ends of the spectrum, but to keep it less black and white, most of the time I push in the middle, which mm. is, you know, the ability to see both sides and still exist while honoring the suffering, but also honoring the fact that I'm lucky enough to live in, in, in a recovery that doesn't mean that I suffer every day like I did before
0: yeah wow that's really beautiful that's actually really beautiful and it sounds like it's definitely been a journey over time like it's it's not like it's just some I think a lot of people sometimes think like you know I'll do ERP and some mindfulness or oh I heard this thing called act I'll do some of that and then somehow like poof I'll I'll be cured I'll be done and and I think people feel to wrap their head around that you know there's a brain pathology like it's not like you could just cut your brain open and take that one piece out that's OCD and toss it and be like, okay, I'm done. It's like, no, you, you have to kind of proactively be relearning and and growing and exercising that muscle um, so that over time you get those benefits.
1: Well, I think that's also exactly what you're saying is, is, is also the, the crux of OCD. It, you know, when you have OCD is. Terrible as most of us do until we find out what it is. We find out there's a diagnosis. We go through the maybe I don't have OCD or maybe I do, and then oh, I go to therapy, yes. and that's horrible too. <laughs> um, <laughs> I think that the you know the crux is it's still black and white. If I don't have this, I call it the OCD wall. If I don't have this then I'm, in, I'm joining life and life would be great. If I didn't have sexual orientation OCD, I could be happy with my partner. If I didn't have health OCD, I could live my life to the fullest without thinking I might dying tomorrow. That's a wall we're creating for ourselves. And I think by, you know, again, listening and, and hearing this message that if you get ERP, life is going to be better. It's It's what we're doing is setting ourselves up to not, Honor life for what it is. Life is suffering. Life sucks. You know, <laughs> I mean, life can be great too, but we are black and white thinkers. If I don't have OCD, everything will be wonderful again. That's why most people, when they say, when I'm in symptoms, I feel like I can never get out. It will never be. Good again it will never I'll never be happy and then when you're out of symptoms I'll never be that low again I'll never be this
0: yeah that's right that's the, right
1: the yep. manifestation of these two opposite pieces is the answer
0: There. exactly exciting. exactly you, you it's just like a wheel right you like 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 on a bicycle one time sometime it's up and then it goes down then goes up it goes down and just recognizing that pattern because like I tell folks it's, it's very pattern driven if you can step back disengage just enough in a healthy way to see and notice your pattern then you don't have to get completely absorbed by it, but see Absolutely. it for what it is. Yeah. That's really I mean, well.
1: Probably the greatest lesson that I learned. My my therapist, Dr. Stephen Phillipson, um, at the time, um, he you know, he basically I, I kept saying, you know, oh, life will be so great if this and I was young at the time I was twenty. And and he was just like, Well, you're gonna find out that life is just shitty. And I just did not appreciate that. I was like, right in the twenties, you're like, what? And you don't understand my sufferings. <laughs> you know? And then, you know, that's probably what I struggled with the most after therapy is because I still bought into the idea of only I'm better. Life should be great. And life wasn't great because there was still, still a degree of healing to do because I just wanted to believe when the OCD is gone I'm doing air quotes. When the OCD is gone, then things will be different. When in fact, recovery, I just actually, you know, heard something today from, I think it was Eckhart Tolle or Alan Watts, one of the two philosophers, but, you know, recovery in itself is finding yourself. It's, it's recovering, you're recovering who you were. Um, And that does, that doesn't end with behavioral therapy. No, absolutely.
0: I mean, I think exactly right. I I think there, you know, on the journey, like I mean, exactly, it's great to learn the tools and the strategies so you can help yourself. But you're a whole person, so you know, you want to apply those so you can get through those challenging moments, and then kind of come back and look more globally. Okay, what am I learning? What am I learning about myself? What am I learning about my my own? Hooks my capacity, my my ability, maybe where I cut myself short, or like wow, I had this belief that I could handle it, and now look at that, I kind of did. And I mean, there's so much more to keep uncovering. I always tell people, there's a, such a self, such a process of self-discovery and 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 depth, and yeah, you want to have some concrete tools along the way, but keep going because there's so much more.
1: Well, especially in the OCD journey, I feel like because we we typically don't honor the trauma that we experience nobody wants to honor the trauma. In fact, when you utter the words OCD and trauma in the same sentence, I feel like, you know, majority of the therapists like light matches and want to burn the world down. <laughs> and what we're doing is a huge disservice to our community by not understanding that there's so many holes and crevices we can fall in in the name of trauma. I mean, look at look at the, you know, the onset of intrusive thoughts, the duration that people experience intrusive thoughts before they know what's going on, then finding out the content of the intrusive thoughts for God's sake. I mean, I'm sorry to say, but like, not all themes are alike. You know, if you have POCD and you have intrusive thoughts about your kids 24 seven for 20 years, yeah, you're going to have a lot more trauma than, you know, someone that, and I can say this because I have this, you know, worries about vomiting every day. It's just different. And so by not seeing that, Hey, let's, Figure this out behaviorally, but then here's an avenue for you to heal. Here's an avenue for you to be validated that it sucked living for a decade thinking you were a pedophile or thinking you were going to murder your family. We're really, really letting our community down by not allowing and validating the actual experience of
0: that. Yeah, I mean, I think part of what you're seeing yeah I'll be I mean I'll be honest so I'm also a therapist right and there, I've to be completely upfront front to that de- definitely there have been times that I, I also fell into that um and I am somebody who also has OCD so it's been interesting kind of tug of war at times but absolutely I, I think when you you know thinking back it's such a layered experience and even when you first kind of learn that it really is OCD you still end up doubting but is it and so it just takes a while to really kind of wrap your head around it but then once you do and you start to kind of look back and can start to connect the dots Mm -hmm. I mean the the amount of realizations you have about oh my god like all of this stuff was OCD and like I could have saved myself like all these relationships that maybe got burned or I could have Mm -hmm. like you know, made different choices and been in a different place or, oh my God, like all that kind of stuff. And, and the, yeah, while you're going through it, I mean, or how many, how many people, I mean, how common is it? Everybody pretty much that I ever work with always says one of the first things is, oh my God, I thought I was going to lose my mind. Like I thought I'm going insane. I'm like, yeah, I, re- I remember distinctly when my first, that first big episode happened in my twenties. And I literally thought like, oh my God, this is what it feels like to go crazy. And I think I'm going crazy and had no clue it was OCD. And I didn't, I didn't put it all together until like 30s, so it was so intense. Like, and then yeah, like when you kind of re rethink of all that, and at the same time, I think it's extremely important to yeah have that moment to kind of sit with all that and, oof, like you know, release and breathe, and then recognize you don't like don't get too stuck there either. Like, keep going. Like, life isn't over, right? Like, we can still show up for ourselves today, and we can still. Um, you know, take that step forward and, and show for others and like the advocacy work you're doing, which is beautiful and amazing. So people can really, you know, hear from also lived experience and know like, you know, you don't have to go at it alone and, and that it's not, it doesn't always have to mean like it's the end of like your life, you know, like, well, the, yeah, the
1: grief is real. And, and I think sure. the, grief, the grief is, is, you know, something that as, as a peer support, that's what I, appreciate and love the most addressing with people. They get behavioral support from therapy because obviously I don't do therapy, but then to be able to process with someone, you know, I really lost this part of my life. I really missed those milestones. I really damaged yeah. relationships. I hurt people, you know, and just to hear someone say, yeah, I did I did those things too, but I, I did it in the name of survival. You know, yeah. it, like we were just surviving. We yeah. were surviving. survive until we know any different exactly well it's like you 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 don't know what
0: you don't know right so it's like you know you, you have to remember you can't punish yourself for something you didn't know at the time you did the best you could with what you had right and exactly there's a lot of forgiveness and compassion that has to come afterwards to kind of attend to that um wound yeah wow way deeper conversation than i anticipated but i love this this is so good um you know I want to ask you a question like you know what is it like for your partner um, if you don't mind just sharing a little bit about you know like or has your partner shared with you or I'm sure maybe you guys talk about it open like what it's what it's like to be a partner with somebody who has o c d
1: uh well i when my husband and I got together, I was already out doing advocacy and um I was already a, a certified peer support specialist and working in the field. So there was, you know, I already had pretty ironclad boundaries around. If you can't accept mental illness, I'm like we ain't going on the second date. Got it. <laughs> like that's just kind of good. good for you. Um, but, you know, I think in general it, it's, I have pretty realistic expectations for my partner or my husband. And I think that this is, something that a lot of people this is another really hard learning curve for people is what's the difference or or what what support do I need what what support do I need how do I find that support and you know where to set boundaries and also understand what toxic support is you know look here's the reality you know not everybody is going to understand OCD and um when we inflict the you know, the need for everybody to understand, it becomes our problem, not necessarily another person's problem. This right. is why I'm always really careful about how, how to give support around people saying, oh, I want to tell my spouse, but I don't, you know, well, you you can tell, but it's at your own, A, it's at your own discretion, and B, what are your intentions? Do you want someone to show up to you every time you feel like, you you know, you're going to grab a knife and kill someone? Like, they're not going to get it. And, yeah. and understanding that they're not going to get it, but maybe they are a supportive partner. that can show up to a certain degree. Well, then what is that line? And we have to be willing to, to. We have to be willing to put that line in the sand and not expect someone to jump over it. You know, I think we as individuals with OCD feel extremely misunderstood. Why? Because we're under we're misunderstanding our own brains our brains were telling us one thing and we know that we're not, you know? And so we don't, we sometimes don't even know what's real. We don't, we feel like we're disconnected from ourselves, you know? And then we sometimes externally look for people to insert that and make us whole. Right. It doesn't work. And it doesn't work because my husband cannot understand how to not solve problems by just logic. (laughs) He can't. And if I expect him to, then that's on me, not him. And I think that's where we get into this push and pull about what support should and shouldn't look like. And I'm really big on having people understand what toxic support looks like. You should, you could strive to have no support over toxic support, you know, if you're, yeah. it, it, because toxic support is just making your symptoms worse. And it's also diving you deeper into shame and guilt. Um. I always recommend to people find a community of people that have OCD because they are the ones and then find a few people in that community that are go-tos because yeah. they are the ones that are going to get it and you don't have to worry about shame and you don't have to worry about stigma. And That's why I created OCD Peers. You know, that's why we have OCD Game Changers. That's why there's lots of different forums online. You can even talk to people in the comment section as long as it doesn't over into reassurance we have to have people that understand where we're at to a degree if someone has cancer their spouse can understand until they can and then you want someone to know or to be there and say i have stared death at the you know in the eye as well and i had to take the risk and do the treatment anyway that's the person that's going to understand and walk alongside you to help you heal more
0: yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, everything you're saying, I think, is exactly on point. And I think that always, especially when you're when you're with a person, whether it's a significant other, a friend, whoever it is that happens to be in your life, yeah, there. I think there's definitely that line of one, as I like to say, accountability. Because I think every single human, you have to be accountable to yourself for yourself. Right. It's not somebody else's responsibility to make you happy or. Mm-hmm. Or heal. This is your healing journey and process. So if you fall, you have to get up. You can't always have somebody else come and pick you up, right? I mean, you can have somebody support you and give you a hug after whatever, but you have to actually get yourself up and learn and then take the next step. So there's that accountability piece. And then, absolutely, like you said, getting really clear. Um, I think that that distinction between what actually would be helpful for me, even though I might have the urge to really want you to answer my questions and give me that assurance, but I'm going to have to be accountable and say, you know, I really want to ask, but it's best that I don't. Or the best way you can support me is is helping me hold these boundaries and get clear on that and then really communicate that with your partner. And and you're right. You know, sometimes partners understand and sometimes they don't, and that's okay. Like, I mean, at least if there's some basic knowledge of, okay, these are things that actually just don't help me, even though it seems like, and, you know if anybody else for anybody else that it would but it doesn't help me and just get clear on those and, and execute them like like your little ground rules yeah um and, and yeah. that's it and then go from there so you can actually focus on you know having fun together being loving with each other and and so on
1: yeah I mean I'm, I feel like I'm really lucky my husband has anxiety too so to a certain degree he can get it but I'm you know especially over in the in the last four or five years when you know kind of my whole world has become ocd you know with business and everything else and and being very integrated into the community um you know i really do kind of hold a, a separate space for him and the support that i know he can give him and then i rely on the other people in my life that i know can show up in a way that's healthy not not compulsive and And, and also just get it because they've been there. Um, and so, and I think that's what I think, unfortunately we don't get taught that. I remember when I first got treatment, I remember thinking of like my support in like a file cabinet. Mm. It was like, okay, when I want reassurance, I'll pull out this file and I'll call this person when I want Mm. this. And, and that really is how support needs to be. You know, one person can't be everything to us. Um, We have to be able to surround ourselves with a support system and know who to call and who will create boundaries with us as well on, hey, I feel like you're asking for reassurance right now. Or, hey, you mentioned that you might be suicidal and I'm here to say we need to do something. We need to like what let let me come get you or let me come sit with you or what you know, we need we need to have people that can recognize things and not everybody is willing.
0: Yeah, absolutely. That's very true. Very true. Thank you so much, Chrissy, for your time and for just going, you know, really in depth with this. I mean, I I think it's just such an important, fruitful conversation. And I know that everybody out there listening um, absolutely goes through these processes. And I think it's just so, so important to hear it, to know that it's real. We experience it. It's validated. um, And also make sure that you do get support, you do get treatment, and, and you do keep going. Um, would you please tell us where can people find you if they would like to connect to you?
1: Sure. Like I do YouTube videos, you know, probably at this point kind of weekly. Um, I'm at Christy Hodges, pure OCD advocate. Um, but any of my stuff can be found at ChristyHodges.com. If you want to sign up for a peer group, um, we run, I think at this point about 12 and we're bringing onboarding someone else. So we'll have more groups soon at ocdpeers.com. peers.com. Um, and then if you want to get involved in, advocacy or nonprofit profit staff. Um, OCD Game Changers is a non that I am the executive director and founder of. We have all kinds of initiatives, uh, all related to OCD and always looking for help and volunteers and new ideas. So that's awesome. OCDGameChangers.com.
0: Beautiful. And of course, I'll include, include that in the show notes. Thank yeah. you so much, Chrissy.
1: Oh okay, yeah, you're welcome. Bye.
0: Thanks for listening to OCD Whisperer Podcast. If you want ongoing support with live weekly Q&A calls to address your questions about OCD and get topic trainings, please join my membership, Mastering OCD. Go to wwwcoreresultscom forward slash membership. That's K-O-R results.com forward slash membership.